The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. It is a full house tonight. Unfortunately, we actually weren't able to lock down Chris. Chris, how's everything going on in Michigan? It, it's going pretty good. Um, I had nothing to do with what y'all saw on the news. We know that it. was you. They said it was former retired no, veteran. No. Marines. Plausible deniability. All right. Well, you know, the, obviously, Brett wasn't involved because if a ranger had done it, those things, it wouldn't have been messed up. Brett, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. My wife's still trying to sell me on a new game room. Yeah, well, you know, is that a new game room in a smaller house with the same size game room? Uh, something like that, yeah. <laughs> that is multi-purpose game room slash painting yeah, that, room. That doesn't work. I, I lost that battle, and I I'm now going to have an unfinished gaming space that will take a couple months to finish. But such is life. But that's all right. We have new guy number one on. So Steve Toth, who uh, you guys heard last week talking about Mythic Americas, welcome, Steve. Good to have you back on. Yeah, good to be back again. Uh, looking forward to see where this thing goes. Cool. And new guy number two, Trevor Smigelski. Yes, yes. You're on there as well. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing okay. Just uh, enjoying the uh, lovely nights here in Florida. <laughs> you know. Welcome to the Lead Pursuit podcast, new guys. It's, uh, it's good to have some fresh blood on the team here, especially some other outside perspectives and, you know, more people who cheat with tight turn cards like Steve. Uh, besides just myself. But, you know, that's one of those things. So hopefully... Yeah, I learned it from watching yeah. you. <laughs> you didn't learn anything from watching me because I keep getting beat. At least that's what was happening to me all last week. So that's all right. Well, hopefully everyone's been getting a little bit of hobby work done. Brett, I know you've been working on some uh, airstrike targets. You had those uh, cool vehicle convoys and some other things set up uh, at GOE. What have you got these days? Yeah, I was kind of kicking myself because I've had a lot, of, a lot less hobby progress since Gathering of Eagles. But... I'm getting some paint on some allied and axis artillery positions on those uh, pill shaped bases that Steve cut. So those will be coming along pretty soon. Those kind of things paint up pretty quick, but I've been really challenged at work and I've been trying to sneak in a little bit of painting here and there, but I'm not, I think I haven't been getting in what I've usually get. So, so I, you mean those okay. official pill shaped bases that will soon be available from lead pursuit, right? <laughs> yes. Shameless I, plug. <laughs> Well, yeah, if anyone wants those, one of these days we'll get them up on the web store. Uh, I, I think like Brett said a couple episodes ago, they actually turned out to be just the perfect size for, for either one 285th scale armor, some of those Pico terrain, airfield kind of things, and give you some room to paint stuff on there, put ships on there. And now you don't have a bunch of fiddly little target bits kind of running around the table. I got a handful of these targets of different types and even some 3D markers for flak. I've got the little little flat guns that I'm going to put, I think on 25 mil circles, rounds or whatever. So uh, once I get through those then I'll get back to painting some planes. So I got some work to do. Cool. Anyone else uh, been knocking any hobbying out? I know uh, we saw a bunch of Steve's uh, daughter's models that were well painted and googly. eyed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, quite creative. The difference in kids, man, the middle one, she, she likes to paint as realistic as possible. And the younger one, 
yeah, the googly eyes and the glitter sparkles will have to do. We'll uh, get them to the tournament one day, see what people think <laughs> exactly. of them. So. As long as that is what beats Air Commodore uh, Atchison, that's all I care about. Use those models. <laughs> Trevor, have you knocked anything out besides uh, sci-fi, fantasy, 40K, other stuff? Um, I got some paint down on uh, six 109Fs. Um, I got the underside fuselages that the RLM 76 put down. And then the tops of the tan. I think it's like RLM. Easy for you to say. Yeah. 74, I think it is, or something like that. So I'm doing them all as the Africa core. Um, because I got some Spitfire Mark, uh, Mark 5Bs with the tropical filters. I'm going to do that same North Africa scheme. So I'm kind of doing like a whole North Africa nice. kind of thing. Just gonna, I think those schemes look so awesome. And, Plus, and so, no, Chris, before you accuse me, those are not my Spit 5Bs that he's painting for me. So <laughs> don't even think about it. <laughs> Just start charging him what he's – I told you when we had that discussion, me and him had a discussion. I said, you realize, you know. Don't cut him a hoss. <laughs> <laughs> dual income, former F-18 jock. No, don't, don't be cut him no, a hoss. Not dual income, foreign income. <laughs> yeah, I have no excuse for not paying my commission painters well. But hey, I, you know, it's, it's, it's work. Uh, this is why I picked up a second job because you're not giving me enough work. Yeah, dog. exactly. Well, apparently I should be sending you this box of 40s. <laughs> P-47s is still in the shrink wrap here that's sitting on my desk. But along with all my other gaming goodness that's getting packed away in boxes. Chris, I see all your paints are well organized behind you. Have you done any hobby work? I got some of the GHQ jet carriers out finally and started cleaning them up. Um, and um, haven't done. Did you have to clean the soot and the, and the burned building off of them, or, or was so it? <laughs> I got them pre-riot. Okay, so, so was it so the detritus of a riot? Pre-riot GHQ there. models. Um, yeah, before they closed down for the riots. But um, but no, I mean that's the only stuff I've done. That's that's um, that's Bloodred Skies related. I've been working on you know, Dreadnought Drop Pod and some other stuff for for 30k, but. So and well, nice. so, but yeah, it's right now. It's been trying to balance the time between the two because I've got I'm getting pulled really hard the other way with some of the cool new stuff that's come out recently. You can't give up the, the crap. The I mean, that's the problem. Is that I, I can't. It's, it's just, I can't. I'm a, I'm a mainliner. Even, even if it's heresy. warped and doesn't freaking come out of the molds nice, and you spend more time reheating it and, and putting it back. Well, that's why it. I was hitting all you guys up, and I was like, Oh, have you read the new book? Have you no, read the new? Please, no, please get that crack no. in your arm, just like I did. No. <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm halfway through it, uh, Inferno as it is. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> oh my. God, that freaking Michael. fluff on the freaking first legion is just dope. No, no. <laughs> anyway, too, too, too busy, yeah, too busy to, to dabble in other things. Well, let's move on real quick. Uh, Intel update: some things that we've seen out there on the interwebs and otherwise. Uh, Brett ruined my day when I think finally my uh, my cravings for a new mat had gone away, and he sent me this latest one from Deep Cut Studio. Uh, Brett, what'd you see out there? Yeah, I think Deep Cut's got, I think they call it an islands mat, and it comes in different sizes. Oh, yes, pretty it cool. does. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it would be for ship games, but, you know, when I saw it, I thought, that looks like mountainous islands. Why, why couldn't we use that? In a- yeah, I, I, you know, like a lot of the mats we've looked at that, that sure, they're not aerial gaming mats, whatever. Uh, they, they're they really good because at least they have pretty colors, nice cool islands and terrain and stuff that, uh, whatever, the rocks are too big. You know, they'd be mountains in the scale of uh, of uh, Blood Red Skies, but that's okay. Uh, I think it's a, it's a beautiful mat. Um, it does look like it really was intended for Black Sails or the Mantic version of Black Sails, whatever that is, Magic Sails, whatever. Um, but uh, it looks looks like it'd be a cool mat. So I, I'm still holding out that someone will do a midway mat or something else cool. 
uh, that'll be kind of island specific, but that's a, a really cool generic one. Guadalcanal and Tulagi, Matt. That's what we need. What, how That'd big is it going to cool. be? The size of my garage? <laughs> no, you just need the tip of Guadalcanal in one corner and the bottom of Tulagi Island in the other I'm gonna, side. I'm gonna, You've got I'm iron bottom sound there. You've got everything you need. I'll try to fit that in. Any not excuse have it, like, to squeeze Google just the tip into the podcast? Huh? I, I tried Jeez. already with the whole Google so Maps thing, and it didn't go so well. It didn't go. So well. I, I tried just scaling it to the same size as Malta, and. That's how I realized how small Malta is as an island because Malta was like this itty bitty little postage stamp on the big block of Guadalcanal. So, yeah, that didn't work so well for me, but that's all right. So, uh, I've seen a couple other mats that are out there. I know there's a couple new desert mats that just came out that got promoed uh, that look pretty cool for a few of the, uh, the the desert theaters, things like that. I guess there's also some jungle mats that are probably more specific for like bolt action 28 mil scale. Uh, but a couple of those have come out that might actually be fun mats to play over. So there's always something out there, always something to spend your money on when it comes to mats. At least that's what Brett's there for. He'll show up with all the 10,000 mats that uh, that we need for the game. Yeah, I haven't made any mat purchases lately, but I've got a few in my mind. It's since GOE that I want to get for sure. Well, and I'll remind people because uh, a couple of the guys from Fights On just pinged me. Uh, yes, you can buy the Malta map. It's uh, You want that mat if you want it in 4 by 8 you can go straight on the website and order it there uh, for about 15 bucks shipping. We'll get it shipped to you. If you want a different size, if you say, hey, we don't want the ludicrous <laughs> lead pursuit size that takes up the entire table or extra, um, you just shoot us an email. Send us a PM. You know, Let us know what you want. Uh, we'll get you a quote and we can get it shipped to you uh, because we think it's a pretty cool, Matt. Those of you who are at GOE you know, got to see it up close and personal. Um, I think it's pretty pretty neat, Matt, and it's uh, the guys at Deep Cuts. You know, give us a pretty good rate to get that ship pretty much anywhere in the world. Well, unless you're next door in Poland and somebody asked, and it costs the same exact amount to ship theirs to the U.S. Sorry, I guess I guess that's how flat rate shipping works. So yeah, I mean, I you know, I encourage people to consider a four by four of just Valletta Harbor. Yeah. Harbor that would look and, nice. And we probably should do that. We should probably go out there to Deep Cuts and get that standardized. But the nice thing is, Deep Cuts will totally customize it. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're also a player of, you know, hex-based aerial war games, whatever. If you want hexes on there, we've produced a couple of them for uh, for some of our clients with two-inch hexes, three-inch hexes, whatever you want. Um, they can get that put on there and get that printed and sent out to you. So it's pretty cool options you got there. Well, Steve, you've been busy with a couple side projects. Saw a couple, uh, couple storage boxes there on Facebook, uh, some other interesting things. Yeah, you know, just trying to just trying to stay busy doing different stuff. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier, spending so much time at work on the uh, computer, just staring at a screen. I've been trying to break away into some some other stuff, get the creative juices going a little bit. So we dove into some of those storage boxes, see if we could get some cool, uh, you know, laser engraving details on the front of them. Uh, trying to come up with something modular so it can fit into other store ready tackle boxes or stuff like that. So you can carry a whole bunch of them around, carry one of them yeah, around, yeah. try to try to figure something out that kind of fits a lot of needs you have. Well, we're, we're trying to also, you know, keep a good partnership with the Rockworks guys with Richard. I know I was talking to him today, trying to, trying to make sure that our sizes and his sizes were compatible. So whatever he shipped people as their, you know, baseline packing for the miniatures they ordered, that would still fit and work inside ours in some form or fashion. Uh, and that way it, it, we would at least people wouldn't be buying extra and redundant foam and their foam not working and not and having to be custom trimmed and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, that's always, I mean, how great is that stuff 
coming in that. So if you could just have something, I think the ones that I was showing on the uh, ready room there, two of the ROC works foams would fit inside of that sideways. So you could fit two of the, uh, two of the squadron sets down in there. So, yeah. So, it, and then they could fit in a bigger carrying box or however you want to carry yeah, them. And I guess, uh, the way it looks, is it three of them that fit into one of those kind of taller Plano Harbor freight, uh, kind of carrying cases? Yeah, I think four four, four nice. of them fit in there, and then those are great boxes too, because you know you have the little the flip top lid on the top that you can put your chits or your yeah, all measuring your templates, sticks, all the and other all that crap stuff that goes in. in there. Yeah, like like we were talking before the show, I've used those for years as drop pod carriers, being a, a space marine player. Where's all my space marines go? So I they're awesome because they're tall. You can cram the stuff in there, uh, and I'd magnetized mine. So I guess I'll probably now repurpose it from <laughs> carrying drop pods <laughs> to carrying small little airplanes. Uh, but that's cool. What about your uh, paint line? I hear you sent out a couple samples of, uh, of paint. I did. So I, I don't really even know why I decided. So is this like body paint that I'm going to put on before one. I go down to new Orleans next week? Exactly. Okay, yeah, exactly. It's that you don't have to wear a shirt. You just paint over, you know, paint over your nipples not, and not whatever you get, you get. Okay. Exactly. No, it's uh, no, you know. So basically, I was just kind of looking at some different model paints that were out there. I was trying to come up with something that was a little more uh, specific to to blood red skies. So uh, on the smaller scale, a lot of the paint colors, you know, you got to mix them down to lighten them up a little bit on the smaller scale, or uh, and and just a lot of guys are brush paints. So I was just looking to kind of come up with something that uh, you know, was just right out of the bottle, no thinner necessary. Just put on your palette and go, and uh. You know, I'm friends with some people that are a lot smarter than I am. So I have a friend who's a chemical engineer. I said, oh, let me let me take a shot at whipping some stuff up. So uh, we have some samples going out now. I tried to coincide it with uh, the midway release that I think is going to be <laughs> sometime in the next decade, the, <laughs> soon on the horizon, right? So uh, three paint sets for uh, USMC World War II. Nice. You got the sea blue up top, the intermediate blue, and the white. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, Wait, I'm I surprised just, I, how much I like it. You mean it's it? not like like the Vallejo sets where I buy three paints I need and four other paints that I don't yeah. need that, that I don't know what I'm going to do yeah, with? Yeah, and that was, you know, that's actually where it kind of started because I was looking to, to buy the, uh, you know, the the World War II U.S. Marine yeah. Navy squadron kit, and it's it can't be found anywhere, you know? Yeah, I think, I think Brett so, and I bought uh, the last ones. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see, though. So, you know, we got some, uh, Trevor's got some coming. A couple other nice. guys do a lot of pain, and a gunner down in Texas got some coming. Chris has got yeah. some coming. Brett's got some coming. Strangely, I don't uh, because I don't paint. A couple guys over in England. <laughs> so, yeah, no, you, you know, so I can take we'll photos of them for the internet. <laughs> I, I'm excited to see what guys think of it. Again, it's not something that I have a ton of experience with, so it's kind of the unknown for me. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Who who knows? Yeah, that, that side hustle, Steve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I go back to Chris's point. How come this just started as a podcast and all of a sudden we're running a web store? I don't know. I I, I blame Steve. Somehow this all happened. <laughs> there I was just trying to sell masks blame with P forties. Yeah, blame it, blame it on the new guy. No, I think a bunch of a bunch of overachievers. Yeah, yeah, that would be our first problem. I think that's good though that uh, to to offer some very targeted specific paints and you know that's one of the problems that. That I used to complain about a lot uh, in wargaming, and then just kind of resigned myself to that fact that there was there was no budget way to pick your way through, and there was no way to pick targeted paint sets, and then all of a sudden you're buying them one by one, and kind of like Trevor and I went through, we we're trying to find Middlestone, you know, the single paint that we need, and you end up buying a whole set half the time just to get Middlestone. Um, that's that's not the ideal way to go through uh, 
go through your painting. Otherwise, your wall looks like Chris's back there that's stacked up with <laughs> hundreds of paints he will never use again. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> What's, I don't know what the problem is there. Uh, yeah, and you know, before I before I dove into it, you know, I talked talk to a bunch of people out there painting. Uh, so we use kind of the same standard size little dropper bottle. Uh, they already come with a stainless steel agitator in the bottle, so you don't have to crack them open and spill half your paint putting a little putting a little agitator in. So yeah, like I said, you know who who knows if they're even going to be any good or if this will be a one time experiment to to see if they get used and I wind up sending the rest of them out. But uh, yeah, who who knows? We'll see what happens. I mean, if it works well, uh, having it U.S. based is big too because I know a big thing is like ammo by Mig. Uh, trying to find those paints on eBay for a decent price is really hard. Yep. Or all like, the Spanish stuff is just rough to find, it's especially during COVID. And it's Spain. And I was reading an article about that. They said that Spain was hit so hard with COVID that it's really upset the Spanish economy. And so many of the ammo, there are the paint makers are out of Spain. So it's it's been an issue. Yeah, Scale seventy five was another one that I had yep. issue getting, and I'm waiting on. Uh, Vallejo, it's just like, oh, it's a headache and a half. And, you know, people don't want to support AK Interactive because, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> I mean, if you guys heard about that. Oh, no. Tell us all the dirt. Oh, so. I, apparently, I've AK had my Interact- head under a rock and I missed it. Chris probably knows. AK Interactive is another, is they do paints and a lot of times like powders and dioramas and they're really big into the historical stuff. So their newest marketing program, which don't understand why they did this they used <laughs> um the holocaust uh the uh i think the uh, it was some sort of uh uh another human rights issue in africa like you no know, the rhodesian like genocide like they use nice. those that's, as that's you can make these dioramas it's like the guys that were marketing the rhodesian patterned uh, masks that someone said hey do they come with a free uh you know war crimes violation <laughs> like awesome at least somebody got the connection there just short shorts and fal yeah exactly exactly <laughs> well, war crimes sign me up. not included and and they use like oh you could do this diorama of a heroin junkie overdosing like just like <laughs> you're like who thought these like, things up i mean really yeah. uh guys question yeah exactly <laughs> like so they so they put out this like oh we're sorry we want to use art it's like yeah, you didn't do it right, guys. Sorry. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. some of that stuff uh, backfires. So between that and, and shipping restrictions, I know that makes things difficult. And, and I kind of laugh with Steve doing uh, laser cut stuff because we've run into the problem of shipping MDF into and out of the U.S. And so not having some of this stuff generated here, uh, you ship enough MDF from overseas, all of a sudden it becomes a hazmat issue. Uh, and so I know the, the guys from Warlord ran into that. Um, and uh, it'll be good to at least have things produced here locally so people can get them shipped pretty quickly, pretty cheaply. Yeah, didn't didn't Dan have a problem with that from DVG they, with something with the... Uh, they had some problems. I think it was some markers or some add-on kit, and uh, I think it was the Stalingrad boxed set for um, uh, for bolt action. Like all the terrain was MDF, and so Sarissa... Was it like radioactive yeah, Sarissa had to ship it here, but because of the chemical that's in it, it pops as soon as it goes through customs. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, and I, once again, I, I don't want to. I do enough in the import-export wow. business uh, and file enough paperwork in that anyway. I don't want to know how the rest of that stuff works with, uh, with MDF. Radiation's yeah, not that exactly. bad, guys. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It says the man who wears a dose meter every day. <laughs> uh, my teeth are glowing. Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? 
Okay, so hey, moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about some unofficial cards. Uh, so because apparently I have been falling down on the job and not been generating that many new cards. Uh, Martin Wilson has definitely taken up the uh, charge on that, which has been good. Um, so Martin's cards have been out there in the radio room, and I, I dropped him a line today. I uh, said, hey, can we throw those on lead pursuit so at least we have a, a single collection point? Because as everyone knows who's gone into any Facebook group, the file section of every Facebook group is an absolute shit show. And you can't find things, and you're scrolling through pages. And if you don't know the exact name and the title, you can't search for it. Um, so I asked him, I said, hey, can we upload a bunch of that stuff? Absolutely. The the good and the bad thing is the good thing is the art is all his that is, or is, is, is all cool. The bad thing is the art is not all his. So uh, these are not cards that Lead Pursuit can hit print on tomorrow. Uh, with a little tweaking, could we? Yeah, we can do some derivative artwork stuff on there and, and get them done. Um, and that may take some time. Martin's been working with us, sending us uh, some of the image files and stuff. Uh, so he was showing off some of those cards at the last happy hour. Yeah, and they they, they really are nice. awesome. Mm-hmm. And, and he's done a great job. And that's why I think he and I are just going to sit down and I'm going to hopefully roll him into the same process on how we do things, um, such that he can generate his part of it, send us the, uh, the sample stuff. We do our derivative art generation stuff, slap them all together. And we've got, we've got some unofficial cards for people. Cause once again, it's stuff that, that there won't be cards for a while, um, for the uh, buff forever. Well, I'll tell you. So, so let's kick this can over. I have seen not the not the artwork, but seen the actual text uh, for the Buffalo cards. Now, yes, I, I, I'm I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna say, and I don't know if if Ken or anyone else out of this, the versioning of the Buffaloes that are coming out is a little bit strange. Um, not really gonna ask why. Not really gonna care. There's at least two different boxes of Buffaloes uh, that may only be differentiated by a prop spinner. But <laughs> at least there's text for cards and other things that are leading me to believe that's closer to release. I think Hellcats are still ahead of it from everything I've seen, although I have not seen the final text for Hellcats. Um, but seeing the text for some of these Pacific Theater cards uh, at least makes me believe they're going to be there. But it wouldn't be Warlord without it being confusing. In the middle of this data dump of Pacific stuff, I did see a medium bomber. So... Thank goodness, HE111, I saw the card and the, and the data sheet for that. Uh, so that should be getting an updated one that's going to come out, um, not as an expansion card, but as a actual boxed kit card. So um, that will be there with, with the requisite number of traits and things that it needs uh, for the aircraft. Uh, don't know when it's going to come out, but it's, it's at least on the list. But yeah, like a lot of this other stuff that's on there, you will not see a, a ME163 anytime soon, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then, of course, he even has uh, Martin even generated some uh, some of the Johnny Red specific cards. So those are kind of cool. So if you can't find them on uh, Facebook, always go over to leadpursuit.net slash aircraft. And we've dumped all the aircraft cards in there, trait cards, all that kind of stuff. You can go to the Aces page, which, strangely enough, leadpursuit.net slash Aces. Uh, that will get you there. And uh, go find all those add-on cards that you can use for your games. Unofficial, of course. Never to be used in a tournament. Anybody else playing on some on a buffalo herd? I am. I got. I just ordered six today. I, I did a bad thing. <laughs> you need more? Yeah. No. No. I know. I almost I almost ordered twelve, <laughs> but I ordered six. I ordered six. I I. It'll be my rainbow squadron again. I'll have two that I'll do as U.S. and then four that are going to be done in two different versions of uh, of Southeast Asia. But yeah, I I sadly ordered buffaloes, so I have no excuse. <laughs> All right, talking about user-generated stuff. Uh, hey, have you guys stapled those pages back in that I tore out of your campaign system? What's going on with that there, Steve? <laughs> We've played a few games. 
Yeah, we're you know working through it, playing a couple games, ironing some stuff out. Uh, I think we're making some good edits on it. You know, we kind of kind of got a little sidetracked. You wanna you wanna play with your new toys every once in a while, you know? So, kind of put the work down, did a little playing, but uh, yeah, I think uh, actually last game had a little scare. My prize squadron leader Monty Yoxel of the RAF got shot down. Uh, you know, Brett actually got a, a victory on him. Parachute open though. He uh, fell into the water and was picked up by recovery crews in the channel later. So he will be flying again the next mission. But yeah, it was almost a bad night in the uh, Toth household. The kids, the uh, wife, were kind of running for cover. Thought there was going to be, you know, some uh, screaming and yelling going. Did your on, wizard have no, to cast alive. a magic missile to rescue him? Did you need a cleric to resurrect <laughs> uh, him? Dorks. <laughs> no, no, no. We got a you know a couple nice a uh, couple nice friendly D six rolls. A parachute deployed and no injury and. He lives to fight another day. And let's be clear. How many games have we played? Like five or six so far in this new campaign? I haven't won a single victory. Nice I mean, word. a single scenario. You don't have the cheat so, cards. Um, you don't have uh, aggressive tactics. Yeah. Time, so. Man, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, there's some serious yeah, card cheating going on. <laughs> this last game, too, we kind of, it went a little off pace, too. You know, it was usually we're playing really cautious. And la this last game, I think we both just kind of went all in, taking head on shots. And I mean, I think at the end of the game, you know, they were probably, he had a solid 10 boom shits. I had a solid 12 boom shits, couple on each attack squadron. Yeah, it was a, it was an ugly game for sure. Oh, but I guess to answer your question, progress or maybe an update yeah. on the campaign thing. <laughs> like when it might be out to the rest of the world. We, we, we justify our, <laughs> our playing with our toys as like play testing to find anything that needs to be, you know, tweaked or whatever. The good news is the content is all solid. Oh, okay. You know, whatever. We haven't had any anything where it's like, oh, man, we got to revamp this or that, you know, really tiny little edits. However, I think the big work we have to do is just uh, formatting changes, you know, so. I, we scheduled some time to start nugging that out. We'll get back to our work, our work schedule when it, as it comes to uh, cranking that out. I think later this week. Okay, good. I, I know, Maybe. you know, like we've joked about, sure. I did a little bit of upending things, but uh, I think when we all sat around and we looked at, at a more table, less flow chart, but not as many pages, I, I don't know how to describe the product that, <laughs> that at least I hope we all kind of came to agreement on. Um, I think that'll be pretty cool. And I think it'll it'll streamline things for the the player who, like me, about three pages into a book, just loses all of all of their interest. Yeah. You know, well, the flowchart idea is probably really good because that was the logic we were using. When we were making this thing was really a flowchart yeah. without realizing we were doing a flowchart. It's a flowchart, so that's where we're at right now. We've got a couple of flowcharts. Well, but but let's, let's not scare everyone away. I mean, at least the iteration the, these don't look like conventional flowcharts. I mean, they're not they're right. not as as painful with you know flowchart symbology there. They're, you know, tables tied by arrows, I guess is the way I'd call them, you know. So you Yeah, can, yeah. We're calling it flowchart for lack of a yeah, better term, yeah. so I guess. You can, you can see what your die rolls need to be on the table, and then those die rolls tell, tell you which next table and draw the black arrow down to it. So all the black lightning bolts connect and, and everything works that way. So that should be good. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people out there that are that are looking forward to playing it uh, when Doug will stop messing with it and let Brett and Steve <laughs> release what they want to release. So that should be coming soon. All right, well, let's talk about uh, things to buy out there that we've wasted our money on. Uh, I know uh, I spent way too much money with my buddy over at Unipolar Games. Uh, Brett, you were having a little bit of uh, non-buyer's remorse, <laughs> things you didn't pick yeah, up. Yeah, I was kicked. 
Yeah, I, you know, I guess just because I wasn't paying attention, I got out of there without picking up one of those um, those dice trays. Uh, Jay at Unipolar made those killer G- uh, GOE dice trays and Luftwaffe trays and all that, and I walked out of there with that one. And I, I just need—I'm a bad person. I haven't gone online to order one, so I need. Yeah, to do so that. it's it's actually real easy. You can either search for Unipolar Games, U N I P O L A R, or uh, just go on Facebook, click on Unipolar Games. They're listed underneath all of our uh, our our fellow sponsors out there. Um, and you can go on his website. You can buy Blood Red Skies stuff. You can buy individual faction stuff. You can buy Gathering of Eagles stuff. Uh, you can buy maps. So so whatever you want, all the same stuff that we saw at Gathering of Eagles, um, you can hop on there uh, and you can pick that up. To include, you know, Chris's favorite, the pink Gathering of Eagles T-shirt. Yes, you can get that on the website as well. Uh, Strong. Chris did get it in extra large, but but that's all right. You know, that's that's what the pandemic <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're killing me tonight, man. It's, it was all the tenderloins. You know, on, if you had bought that the first day, you probably would have fit a large like the rest of us. But you bought it the last day, so it's like, it's like two tenderloins. You know, I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking Christina to Indiana, not this weekend, but next weekend, just, to just, just shoot that. guns and freaking hang out to, to have a tenderloin. Because she's heard me talk about it for four years, and she's just like, "Can we go down to Ryan's and shoot guns and eat tenderloin?" Like, <laughs> yes, yes, sure. we can. That sounds like a horrible weekend. Why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> That's a keeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Biden comes up with home improvement projects. Son of a bitch. Oh, that's all right. I'll work through it. Yeah. So if you want to get any of that stuff from Unipolar, all of that swag is on there. All those dice trays, all the, all the cool stuff they had there. So um, if you, like Brett, were a terrible person and didn't pick yours up there, just jump on the internet, Unipolar Games, uh, go find them and you can pick that up. Well, before we head into the main topic, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So we're going to talk tonight about cheat tactics, illegal cards. Wait, no, 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 that, that, that's, that's Steve's half of the conversation. We're going to talk about trait tactics, oh, right? Man. Right, Brett? That's what we're going to cover? Yeah. All right. I know you had this finely crafted, well-prepared dissertation you wanted to give on, on, on trait cards. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you run the show as to what you want to say about how to either cheat like Steve or how to be a blue falcon like Brett. <laughs> well, it's not quite uh, that well thought out, but you know, it does come from the fact that Steve and I have been playing some campaign games and early on, you know, I was learning stuff every game, you know, it wasn't like it was my first time playing, but I thought, gosh, you know, I'm missing some things on these, on these cards. And that's what inspired this discussion really. So I kind of jotted down some notes about what was on my mind after making a few mistakes with my hand size and how many doctrine cards I could play and all that stuff, even how to, when I'm supposed to, you know, uh, refill my hand, my, so anyway, that's where all this comes from. So I just thought maybe a discussion with you guys and Steve about cards and maybe how to get the most out of them would be pretty good. So the cards I'm talking about are really all the cards that go in your action deck. Right. And, uh, I think we probably start with, when the heck would you even start using the card mechanic in the game? Because, you know, if you're just cracking open the starter set and you've never played, I think I would suggest, I don't know how you guys feel, play for a while without even cards, right? Just just play the basic order of operation without any cards. What do you guys think? 
Yeah, that's how I always do my first demo game is, is I just get people used to moving, pivoting, burning advantage, doing all those things. And then they start to learn to love or hate tight turn. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, after a handful of games, you know, you kind of get that and you're ready for more, right? That's where the cards come in. It just adds so much variety and everything to the game. So, uh, that's probably the best time to start working in the action deck and, uh, really the action deck. I mean, I think most of our listeners probably understand how you build an action deck, but if you're new to the game, you know, you get a trait card for every plane. If your traits have more than one trait, you, you, you split them evenly between the number of planes you have. So like in my case, I play 109s a lot, BF 109s, and they have great dive and great climb. So if I have six 109s, I'll get three of each. Just split them evenly like that. And uh, when you're using trait cards during the game, the trait cards only apply to the plane that has that trait. So if you're playing a scenario and you have, say, BF 110s and BF 109s, well, BF 110s don't have great climb. So you can't use that great climb card on a 110 just because you have the card in your deck at that time or in your hand. So it's just kind of a little thing there. But um, uh, you get uh, doctrine cards, depending on the size of your hand, you know, you're going to have one or more doctrine cards. There's theater cards. There's part of the theater cards are also weather cards. And then of course you have the ACE skill cards, right? So if you, there are uh, ACE skills, that you could add to your deck if you have a guy who's a, a named ace or you decide in your list building to bring a pilot skill five guy, you can chuck in an ace card for that guy. And there's all kinds of like constraints and limitations on cards because if you're playing like a really strictly, you know, historical narrative game, you could use the um, the historical traits and doctrine cards that are in the airstrike book and kind of limit your choices to that. But, hey, maybe you're playing in a, uh, a tournament like Gathering of Eagles. Uh, you could probably use any doctrine card or whatever you yeah, want, so, so but maybe it's limited just one talk, or something. Talk about know? how that worked for you know, both you and Steve who played in the, in the tournament versus how it works in your campaign game. Because I know you're trying to be historical in the campaign game, so you're not necessarily always able to make the most optimum pairing for the aircraft versus what you would do in, in a tournament. Yeah, that's right. In our campaign, I have a lot of limitations, like uh, compared to, say, like a tournament that we just did where I could use low, low altitude performance. That's really low altitude performance is really a doctrine card that's, I think, more for the Russian planes. And uh, man, when you put that on a plane that has great dive, like a BF 109F, you can do some ugly things and earn yourself the Blue Falcon Award and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's to really totally different style of play, right? Because when you're when you're playing in a tournament, you're really trying to look for those combinations that are really going to maximize it, right? So when you take something, uh, you know, aggressive tactics, defensive tactics, and you compare that with a single trade airplane that has tight turn, you're, you can essentially use that infinite amount of times, right? Because you're just trading in that tight turn to, to get that extra angle or to turn those shots into a deflection shot. Where in the campaign, you might only have that available for two or three games, or you might not have it available at all. And then you're looking more to just make, make the best of what you have. So it's a totally different strategy when it comes to deck building. Yeah, you could really kind of strategize, like build a list on the how, how you want to play by putting different trait cards with different doctrine cards and really making, making them uh, play off each other. 
uh, when you're playing the campaign stuff, you know, you have those limitations. You can't do that as easily. But even in a campaign game, there's going to be like uh, Steve and I are playing a campaign right now and we're in um, sort of Battle of Britain time frame. And I'm able to still use doctrine cards that um, work with a bonus for things like great climb and great dive, especially great dive. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think when I was first starting to play, the, some of the some of those cards that work in conjunction with an aircraft trait card didn't seem as appealing because it, it, it wasn't as obvious what they did for me. You know, I was looking at things like, Ooh, man, this, this, uh, you know, other trait seems better or this other doctrine card seems better. But what I was missing is how, once you combine a particular doctrine card that uses something like great dive, all of a sudden it enhances what your planes naturally do. And that's something to consider. I might be getting a little ahead of myself yeah, about, say, you know, this discussion. You are, but, looks, I was going to throw it over to Trevor and say, you know, what, what have you seen in some of the tournaments? Uh, has anyone done well that has not tied their doctrine card to a trait their aircraft has that allows them to keep burning it multiple times as a bonus card? No, you, you see pretty much what Brett was saying, like, um, aggressive, aggressive tactics and you, um, tight turn, like tight turns a big thing. So you have a, the aggressive tactics, spam sort of thing going on. And then you have, um, I played a, a mig spam list the other day and it was like, I, I, I lost what he was doing. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like this card, this card, I mean, and these guys are, they, they play a lot of these card mechanic games like Star Trek Attack Wing and X-Wing. So they, so their minds work differently. Like mine is always kind of like more like, eh, let's see what historical fun I can play. And they go into how can I maximize my ships or my planes? Um, and I mean, they're not, Freaking like the janky stuff, like uh, putting boom chits on me before the game, because they kind of know where I, where I sit with a lot of my games. But they do take these doctrine cards that just enhance like these really measly planes and just make them so much better. Like the, just the, the like the Yak One, for instance. I mean, you take a Yak One spam list and you start playing with some of those doctrine cards. It can be pretty brutal just to deal with all that. Like. Even they're not still putting a lot of dice on you, but you still have to deal with the amount of firepower coming in because you. I mean, you, all you got to do is roll six in this game. You got boom chit yeah. <laughs> on top of on top of the card mechanic that enhances their ability to get those firing solutions and getting them get themselves in position to further maximize their output and maximize their playing's ability to to score boom chits on you. You know, equipment cards can do that too because some of the equipment cards can make you know some of your things so much better and one of the things i learned early on with the equipment cards is some of them have a points cost obviously but it's not a point cost per aircraft it's a point cost for that entire squadron so you pay whatever the points are let's say it's a 15 point card that that uh, effect for that card applies to all the aircraft in that squadron you play that you pay that point cost one time uh so that that's helpful so a lot of times you know if you've got a few extra points laying around you have to make that choice Ooh, which equipment car do i want for these guys and that can do things for you like shed boom chits and all kinds of stuff well with drop tanks you don't need i mean there's i don't think there is a point cost right, yeah, attached to, nice to drop it's, tanks it's and it's huge especially yes. in competition play oh, yeah because people are always gonna um, try to throw boom chits on you before you even start they're gonna, they're and, gonna stack and, and again it's 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 like you have your competition play and you have your narrative play i mean we see it and 
in any game, any kind of, I mean, whether it's 40K, Star Trek, Blood Red Skies, is old. there's the competitive side, and then there's the more narrative side of it, um, where you can kind of meld the two, but there's usually a definitive list-building ability, like, between a competitive player and a narrative well, player, and I think I that's why I've, I've kind of tried to nip a little of that with at least the way we're doing the GOE tournaments, that giving you some, some fairly narrow choices. Uh, for for mm-hmm. what, the ones that I see abused most, which are the theater cards, not necessarily the doctrines. Um, mm-hmm. And so to at least narrow some of that down, at least makes it hopefully a little bit easier for guys like Brett to <laughs> carry out their plan. Yeah, get a chance. Well, you know, having a single, it kind of going off off the reservation a little bit here, but you're thinking about how you ran the GOE and having everybody having the freedom to pick a single doctrine card. I think that was a good limiter because you get to do something you could, like in my case, I used um, low altitude performance, which out in a campaign setting, I would normally never get a chance to play, but man, it enhanced my BF 109 S with great dive. And it's such a, it's a defensive card. It allowed me when I was getting tailed to next turn, fly away, dive away, even though I was already disadvantaged. Um, normally I don't get the chance to do that and I miss that card now. Right. Anyway, uh, just to say that it was cool that I got to try that out and do that and do some fun little trick or, or, you know, have some kind of little, uh, gimmick for my guys that I wouldn't otherwise get to have, but you limited it by the fact that it was one, right. And I was committed to that one. And then the same thing on the theater cards, you know, we get to the table and there was, you had to choose which, you know, from a short list of theater cards. So that was fun. that, That made this whole idea of, you know, building your hand in the, tournament setting a lot of fun too and i think with building your hand and building your list comes with building the planes i mean uh how many times do you see these low pointed you know one firepower two maneuver eight speed planes you don't see my biggest issue is like the p38 way overcosted completely overcosted it's it's not worth taking even with 10 points taken yeah, off even, even with that it's, bonus to, to drop it down as a heavy it's, fighter it's, and it's really not it, yeah it has two engines but it, it didn't it didn't perform that role it was air superiority right. it's, it was a dogfighter not like a 110 that kind of was multi-purpose so, or the mosquito so why is it why why is it cost so much compared to the 110s and the the, the mozzies right right I, I think there's going to be at some point a, a rebalancing of some of those multi-engine fighters uh once we figure out better how those are going to fit in because no one's taking them right now they're just not worth it even with the, the 10 points off uh for heavy fighter but we'll go from there and if you're playing like a bounce scenario you're you're gonna lose <laughs> there's no way <laughs> nice nice all right brett continue on talking about hand size and uh and some of the mechanics Oh yeah, well, standard hand size is three cards, and um, you get more cards in your hand depending on how many planes you're fielding. So, uh, if you, if you get four cards, if you have more than thirteen aircraft, and uh, that what I mean by that is you have a discard pile, and then you have the three or four cards you uh, turn up that you can play during the turn, and um, that's all your 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 hand is whatever you draw off that top pile. And there's lots of different ways to play it. Uh, you know, there's standard deck and there's open deck. And we do something that's almost kind of in between in our campaign. We do standard deck except ace cards. If ace cards come out, those become like bonus cards in our deck. So sometimes our hand size could be, you know, four, five, six cards if you start counting in those ace cards. 
So that's well, uh, that's why, something we've why done. Why do people prefer one over the other? So what are some of the reasons you've seen people prefer to play uh, a standard hand versus the open deck? And that's kind of kind of all you guys. I, I absolutely prefer the open deck in the tournament play we did. Cause I think it lets you maximize all your, all your toys on the table, but I have a totally different feeling about it in a campaign setting. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm on the fence both ways. Right. And honestly, like we were saying earlier, I even love playing just without the cards, you know, just line up your airplanes and let's play uh, as far as open deck or standard deck. I could, I could go either way. Uh, I thought open deck was really fun in the tournament for the same reason Brett said. It kind of lets you, you know, you're playing a shorter game, you're playing a quick game, you're playing multiple games in a day. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you were playing poker or something like that in a tournament, you want a lot of action on the table all the time. You just want to keep it going, keep the action going. And I think open deck does a really good job of that. It keeps the action going, it keeps it fresh, it keeps it fast. And, uh, you know, you're in the fight the whole time. Uh, The standard deck, I kind of like how it gives you a little more uh strategy of how you're going to when are you going to use these you know you're kind of re i feel like you're reading the whole board saying oh i'm thinking that guy looks like if i save a you know if i save a tight turn for him he might be able to use that or this guy's getting shot now but that guy over there you know he might be getting two shots i might want to save one of those robust cards for that guy so i feel like the standard deck really places an emphasis on that strategy of it but but i could go oh, either yeah. way well, really well, i think I, it does I, especially I for plays. two trade airplanes i mean it's one thing when it's you know how am i going to balance my theater my doctor and my ace cards versus my single trait but then when you have a two trade airplane like a hurricane you're like well i really love tight turn but for part of the turn i'm really going to want to have that robust and try to decide how you're going to balance onto what you hold on to because then usually if you're like me you're sitting there with an aggressive tactics or defensive tactics that you can afford to get rid of part way through your turn but you don't want to get rid of it too soon and not be able to use it in other activations um so yeah i mean the uh the the two the two trade airplanes really even on open deck really kind of throw a wrinkle into your strategy of of what you're doing because that you know when you when you're splitting those traits in half uh it it just really changes the way and i i tend to shy away from the two trait airplanes because of that uh Honestly, because I'm still going to this day swear to the fact that the only reason I lost to Commodore Atchison is because I forgot to play one of the cards, you know, so uh, I tend to steer away from the two trade airplanes just for, from the ma- for the management aspect of it. That's cool. I, you know, one of the things I learned early on is I was not refilling my hand properly. You know, you, you, I was doing it at the end of every turn, then refilling, refilling, you know, reshuffling my deck or refilling my hand and didn't realize that after every plane activation, you could discard if you wanted to. So a little better about that. Now that gives you a little more, you know, you cycle through the deck a little faster if you do it that way, which I think is the way you're actually supposed to do it, but probably a simple mistake to make. The, uh, I, I was going to discuss a little bit about just the basic card types. Cause there's so many different types. If you're looking at, uh, you know, in, in the bottom of the card, it'll say something like discard or remove or whatever. And that, that explains how the mechanic of the card actually works. Some of the cards you just play one time at, at um, at the uh, deployment portion of the game. And those are typically marked uh, remove, right? Those are your remove cards. So some of your, some of your weather cards are that way. There's some other, I think, theater and even, I don't know if there's many doctrine cards that do that, but certainly some theater cards that do that. 
Okay. Uh, There's some that have been uh, misprinted that way, like they printed interlocking fire as a remove, which it's not. It's a discard. <laughs> right. You use it more than once. Right. You've got uh, you know your positive trait cards that are always on. I, what those uh, your positive and negative traits? You know those always apply, and so they're not necessarily in your deck. It's just um, you know if you have a card that has you know agile, you don't put the agile card in your deck, but it's always applies to that aircraft, whatever that whatever that uh, trait is. Like, maybe trait's not the right word to use, but whatever that. Uh, that ability, yes, it, it gives you. It, yeah, it that ability. Something. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's the way I always think about the negative and positive traits. Or negative and positive, since they're both on. Negative is something that you unfortunately need to remember because generally it's something that happens during your opponent's activation, uh, like vulnerable. Uh, sometimes it's something that happens during yours, like sluggish, where you can't outmaneuver a guy. Um, but it, but it's always something that's going to create a negative interaction there. And then obviously the the positive traits, uh, good things like armored. Uh, bad things like rocket, <laughs> adding a boom chit to yourself every turn. Uh, but uh, but yeah, those are those are the the way those those traits work. And I always laugh that rocket's considered a positive trait because sure it does give you uh, basically being like a jet uh, with the ability to climb, but it means you eat a boom chit every turn. Yeah, there's reaction cards that work in reaction to an enemy doing something. There's bonus cards that allow you to, you know, maybe this usually applies to like a doctrine. So if you have a doctrine that that's what we were talking earlier in the in the discussion about how you can capitalize on using traits or using doctrines that work together with your traits. Some of the so just as an example from my own collection, the um, uh, great dive and things like sustain dive and dive away those those make a great dive a bonus card. So I can burn a, a, a uh, one of my great dive cards, which I have many of in my deck potentially, where I only have the one great dive doctrine card. And so instead of burning the doctrine card, I can keep <coughs> the doctrine card in my hand and just burn one of those uh, great right. dive so, cards that come so up frequently in my deck. To, to people, you know, you, you uh, let's assume you're using a three card deck and maybe you've got an ace trait there and you happen to have both sustain dive dive away one of those cards we'll use dive away and uh, great dive and so because it says bonus great dive on that dive away card then you play the two cards together but the one that gets burned is the great dive card now you still get the benefit of both cards right so you get to do what's in great dive plus what dive away gives you or whatever augmentation so i think that's that's an important thing that people need to remember, especially uh, for cheaters like Steve. Uh, when, when you see them use <laughs> both aggressive tactics and tight turn, um, that in a sense is, is a double is a double move, because um, it's allowing you to make that initial first turn for aggressive tactics, and then with tight turn, you're still able to use your 45 degree turn in there. So, I have lost games to Steve purely because of that great dive and. And defensive I think tactics, defensive tactics you know. is where it hurts the most because then he does Ooh. a full ninety degree turn right there, right in front of you. Defensive tactics is that's brutal, man. There's there's so many times that it's like you can almost you, you can almost hear the the uh, you know the fist pound the yeah. virtual table there over the internet. <laughs> like son of a bitch, I had you tailing, and now it's a, well, how well, is Trevor, this a deflection how, shot? How many, how many times have you lost those shots out? Because it seems to me that defensive tactics is. Uh, is definitely one of the favorites out there in the competitive scene. Um, yeah, he, every time. I, I don't think there's a hand without defensive tactics. And 
aggressive tactics, all the tactics, and I don't have any tactics, <laughs> so I um, I, I usually just lose. Yeah. I just <laughs> that's that's easy. Answer. Well, that's <laughs> hey, that's why I was the tra- the uh, tournament organizer <laughs> that I didn't have to lose. Even my friendly games, I can't remember the last time I actually did well in a game. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. I think I've lost the last five tabletop sim games, six back to back. Yeah, it's it's been ugly, but. I'll blame that on playtesting, not on on tight turn. <laughs> yeah, the the tag the those doctrine cards, man. That for, for guys that are listening, kind of looking to maxim maximize their play, really give a read through those doctrine cards. I think that I think that is really something that you can. I hate to use the word exploit because exploit has such a negative connotation to it. <laughs> well, you know that that's what really Chris is used to you, in 30k. It's into. all about exploits and you know, <laughs> how, how you can make that perfect list. Uh, well, I, yeah, that's that's definitely a thing. Keeping making sure if you can use doctrines that also work well with your traits that you have. Yeah, it's, it's all about key. what stacks on top of what it, stacks it on top of what just, stacks. Just like, so, just like what game, Chris? So uh, you know, I've been I've been sitting here silently a little bit, and I'm laughing about everybody talking about card mechanics, but I'm the guy that gets teased as being a supposed magic player. <laughs> I figured you were just keeping silent because you didn't want to correct us in all of our misspeaks. So no, no, mm. I'm still trying to figure out how to build a deck. Yeah, you know exactly. me. Well, hey, if you, I just paint he, pretty airplanes, dude, and get them if shot you had down. Spent so much time, <laughs> uh, you know, crushing everybody at Heresy that weekend. You know. Then, uh, then we would have been good, but that's all right. You, you had to uh, hand Brian a little bit of a uh, little comeuppance there. So <laughs> we, 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 we've got a long going feud on that we play just about every time we see. That's good. And that's um, good. yeah. Well, let's, uh, I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, so let's just talk a little bit about how we retain certain cards. Because there's, there's some cards that we talked about that are removed that you play that card once, it's gone. And, and most of them are things you just need to get rid of because it happens at deployment. Uh, there are a few actions kind of cards that are removes. Um, you think, once again, like Deep Pockets is one of those that, that you play that one individually. It goes away every time you play it. So that, that always makes for an interesting consideration. But how do some of these other ones work um, for like the pilot test, the maneuver test, the gunnery test? Uh, how does that all go into retaining an action card? Well, the, any, any card at the bottom that says pilot test, a lot of them also have a bonus. You know, we talked a little bit about bonus cards, how you can burn the card, the the trait card instead of the doctrine card to keep it as a bonus. But then also those cards may say pilot test, maneuver test, or gunnery test. A pilot test is simply the pilot skill of the pilot that's using that card. So let's say it's a pilot skill four guy that you're using that doctrine. Let's say it's a doctrine four. Or, uh, you roll 4d6. If you get a success, you get to keep that card. Uh, same thing with the maneuver test. Everybody here is familiar with a maneuver test, pilot skill plus agility. And then a gunnery test is just your firepower for that particular aircraft. So, you know, sometimes you've got an ace. I think I was using one that had a uh, had an ace skill or something. I don't remember what it was now, but it was a gunnery test to keep it. It was only, you know, firepower one. So, okay, here's one dice. See if I get it. But, you know, if you get that six, you don't have to burn that card. You get to keep it in your hand. Right. Sometimes those uh, gunnery test ones are powerful because it enhances your your firepower or something well, like that. Usually. And let's talk about how some of these things that are uh, that are trait tied as a bonus. So I use the example of like defensive tactics. If I'm in there with a uh, uh, with a hurricane, and so I've, I'm using defensive tactics, but that's that stacks with or that's a bonus card for tight turn. So when I'm being shot at out of sequence, I'm playing both a tight turn and defensive tactics, and then basically burning that tight turn. I don't, I don't 
use the tight turn per se, but it gives me a 90 degree turn for defensive tactics instead of just 45. Um, but you know, if I've got six airplanes out there, I burn through three tight turns, uh, and in open deck, those are flipped back over They're They're done. So the next time I want to play defensive tactics, uh, the only way I'm going to get it back is roll what's on the bottom, which I think for defensive is a maneuver test, I think. Um, but I then have to make that roll to keep the card. Otherwise it's going to get flipped. Now, where this gets a little bit weird, at least that I've seen, is how that interaction happens with a standard deck. Because you don't reshuffle and flip cards in an open deck until the end of the turn. So once burned, stay burned. Yet, in a standard deck, once you've consumed the entire deck, you start over. So, theoretically, you might see a burned... Uh, tactics card or burn doctrine card again in a standard deck where you won't in an open deck. So it's just a little bit of a risk you have yeah. to take. You know, I think that that's worth noting too, because it, I believe, hopefully I'm not misspeaking here in standard deck, you are replenishing your cards as you're using them. So you're always having three cards right. in you, you, your you replenish at the end of hand. the activation. So, so you burn with the activation, then you replenish them. Um, and, and go from there. But essentially what that's doing is it's if you have a single trait airplane and you have a defensive tactics uh, with tight turn, you always essentially have a tight turn, tight turn to burn right. with it. Where if you're playing open deck, you're flipping those tight turns over. And if you're using those tight turns defensively, you're not going to have them exactly when, when, when it comes your time and, to move. And th- with standard deck, you'll have right. it. And, and I think for a single trait, it's not near as much of a compromise because your plane is either offensive or defensive. And hopefully, if he's defensive, he's not getting ganged upon by two or three fighters where he would need to use that multiple times in the activation. Uh, but for the hurricane, suddenly becomes limiting because now it is a choice. If I take that as a defensive tactics, do I play robust or do I play defensive tactics and use a tight turn? And and then that that really is a trade-off. And that's why I don't like taking defensive tactics as much on, on an aircraft like the hurricane because my, my getting shot at card is robust. That's what I need to use when I'm getting shot at. If I take a tactics or a doctrine card that plays with a trait card, then I can react wonderfully to any defensive shot multiple times, yet there comes a point that I could end up burning all of my tight tactics on either neutral or def- or uh, disadvantaged fighters before they get to their point where they want to move and I might want to use that turn. So it's just an interesting compromise. Yeah. And I mean, truthfully, when it all comes down to it for me, you know, I, I mean, we joke around a lot about winning the game, losing the game. I mean, I'm playing for fun. Right. And, uh, planes with tight turn, they're just fun to play, man. Uh, they just you, give you so many options. You're not playing for options. cold, hard cash. I thought it, you were in the same uh, competitive I'm, circuit. I'm not, we are. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't actually, you know, I was trying to keep, uh, my, uh, you know, low light basement, uh, blood red skies backdoor alley games under wraps yeah, but yeah. thanks for calling well, me out i was about to say because the check it. at the end of this year's <laughs> tournament scene is going to be about 350 <laughs> three dollars and 50 cents <laughs> if we're lucky <laughs> no but you know you want you want to play you want to play planes that are fun to play right and uh you know the tight term planes are always fun to play uh, i know at the tournament watching brett play that you know the denialist i mean that was just fun to play every time somebody came to the yeah, table against so, brett so and wanted if, to do something he was kind of like really, nope, you're not didn't doing really it. catch on to it and why we called him the blue falcon was his entire list was built around denying your actions not giving him any other actions to do something cool but it was around denying your actions and the ability to say oh no you're not going to do that 
whether it was I believe it was I know your type and uh, and great climb were the were the two things that you were oh, yeah. around. So yeah, it, it, great climb has changed the way Steve plays against me because he knows it's there and he he won't you know try to climb he'll he'll just outmaneuver if he knows I have a great climb. Yeah, that that great climb card when when you play somebody. That has, and I think in the ready room, some guys were talking about that today too. With the uh, the one Spitfire, I think the the Mark Nine Spitfire has great climb as a trait. So it's sacri- I believe it doesn't have tight turn. It has great climb instead of tight turn, I believe. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that great climb is just it changes the way you have to play against somebody that has that because you just can't get that advantage back. So you really think about it before you're going to burn advantage. I, I don't know. Uh, I you know I, if you're not getting into a tailing shot feel that way when, uh, when I played against you with one Oh nines, but maybe it was just the way you were rolling dice. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your bad odds. that kept getting me in. There. That's it. Like, yeah, whatever. He's going to yeah, fail my, the roll. My gathering of Eagles list. I was able, cause I was taking just the historical, Doctrine cards, I had low altitude performance. So if I was disadvantaged and you thought you were going to get me, I'd just dive away, right? With 109Fs, they kind of they kind of scoot, you know, out of there. And then uh, I had an ace with, I know your type. So, because I figured everybody and their brother was going to be coming with a tight turn cards. So I said, you know, anytime I could d- just say, no, you're not doing your tight turn. Now you got to, you got to, you got to play legit now. That was fun. And then a great, great climb. I was calling that my Panther sex card. Cause you know, 40% of the time it works every time. <laughs> and that was, that was the gist of my whole list right there. All right. So ju- just to, cl- I did misspeak there. The spit nine is the one that has tight turn and great climb. So that kind of has the best of both, wor- both worlds, but they're, you know, split in half. And then it's the spit 14 that has nice. the great climb. And the heavy hitter, nice, you know, but nice. uh, I mean, yeah, the, the great climb card, it just changes, changes the way you have to play against somebody big time. Well, we've been spending about an hour here talking uh, between the regular Blood Red Skies stuff and the cards and everything. I know some guys got to go and we got to finish up. Uh, so we'll finish up the second half of this in another episode. Uh, but I appreciate everyone take the time to, to uh, chat about it and give the feedback on cards. And, you know, even if it is uh, Chris talking about the uh, Araska Frillback or whatever the uh, latest card from Magic the Gathering is, <laughs> you can see me bring that up on <laughs> my screen. Me, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what the names of any of these cards are. I have to go to the website to read this. <laughs> but anyway, anyone have any last minute uh, fadeaway shots they want to take uh, at anyone before we close and wrap this up? Oh, God, you guys are boring. Hey, so everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone knows where to find us, leadpursuit.net. Uh, to go out there, you can leave us feedback there. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. I guess I'll have to actually post something out there other than cats and beer uh, in our feed. Uh, but uh, you can find us out there. You can also uh, find us on any one of the uh, major podcast uh, branding areas. You can find us on iTunes, Google, uh, SoundCloud, all those different places. So leave us some comments. Leave us some feedback. Uh, and please, if you're in the ready room, ask us some questions. Tell us uh, what you want to hear us discuss on the air, because otherwise we're going to talk about cards, and then we're going to start talking about clouds, and then we're probably going to talk about terrain. My God, it's going to be boring. We'll talk about the rules of this game. Uh, so let us know what you want to hear. The good news is we do have some other authors that will be coming on here. Uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, World War II and some uh, modern uh, aviation authors come on and talk about a couple things, and uh, we'll hopefully do that for the next episode. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thank you for your time.